What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogs Haven podcast powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul. You can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell It. Do not forget the you. You know why we're here. Um, let's go ahead and preview this game, man. Philadelphia and the Washington Commanders. Uh, there is a situation here in Washington, right? Um, no, I'm not talking about the Brian Robinson situation. I am not talking about uh, Dan Schneider and his lawyers. <laughs> That's not the situation I'm talking about. Uh, Bid, um, you know, are we really surprised? Just to sidebar this right quick. Are we really surprised by what Dan Schneider pulled off? Um, you know, this is a guy who, when cornered, does things that you cannot predict. Um, and for an individual and Dan Snyder to, uh, <laughs> to to go out to to use his teammate as a shield or teammate his player as a shield, um, against whatever was coming from the the AG of DC was very interesting. Um, and interesting in the worst way. I told I told people on the Trevor Dive podcast, man. I said, uh, the wild thing is, Dan Snyder did not care about who it was. Um, the lawyers of Dan Snyder did not care about who it was that that could have got hurt, right? So, it could have been his grandma that <laughs> that that was, and, and I'm that was, you know. In conflict in DC, I don't want to put anything on grandmas. I don't want to put no negativity on grandma. I don't want to speak that into existence for anybody. But something could have happened to his grandma, and he would have said uh, he would have used his grandma as a shield. Like he don't care. And this is a situation where you know you're looking at a person that um, understands that he's willing to do these things because he doesn't have much else to to lose. Like why would he care about? you know, a, a young player that he may not be around any longer to, you know, develop a relationship with. Um and 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 so on and so on, right? So it's a very unfortunate situation. Um I am not sweeping it under the rug, but we are here to preview the game, the three keys and things like that. So we will definitely circle back to all the off the field matters in due time because they're not going anywhere. We said that you know, when we talked about the, the the selling of the team last week, we will talk about it in due time. That conversation is not going anywhere. On the show today, make sure, first and foremost, you hit that subscribe button. If you are not subscribed yet to the Hogshaven podcast, make sure that you leave a rating and review. Um, definitely a rating at the very least. We would appreciate that. I would appreciate that. Um, and appreciate everybody who tunes in. Nonetheless, man, it's definitely uh seen and um notated <laughs> in my head, but um, yeah, man, just make sure you hit that subscribe button, make sure you hit uh, give us a rating on whichever platform that you are listening. But definitely, if you're listening on Apple, we would appreciate that. If you're listening on Spotify, same thing, we would appreciate that. Um, Chris Franklin is going to join the show. Uh, Chris Franklin covers the Philadelphia Eagles for NewJersey.com. Um, now, heads up, this conversation took place on the Trapper Dive podcast. So we will make sure that um, that is known before we get started. The other voice that you will hear uh, outside of 
myself and Chris is the good man, Dre, uh, my co-host for the podcast as well. So um, we will definitely get Chris's opinion on all things Philadelphia and, you know, some of the things that he sees in Washington that can really pose a threat to uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. He actually thinks uh, from a percent chance, uh, now it's not over 50, right? But it's a high percentage that, you know, Washington has a really good chance of beating um, the, the Eagles. Uh, and he'll explain that and, and and give his reasons for why, you know, he gave that percent chance, the, the, the number that he gave. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Stay tuned for that. Uh, but right now we're going to go ahead and dive into the three keys for the Washington Commanders. And my first key, uh, I don't know if I started with that last week. I, I'm sure I did, but it's going to be on Taylor Heineke. That's my very first key. Last week was not good. Last last week was poor. Uh, I did not think that he had a good game. Um, I don't think that the statistics showed how bad it could have gotten for Taylor Heineke. The touchdown actually did him a favor to Curtis Samuel. Um, but that game against the the Vikings just wasn't good. And I think for all of the sayings and understanding of, you know, what he's done over these three games, three game span, right? Uh, what's his numbers looking? Uh, you have two and one record, obviously, but um, five touchdowns, three picks, 600, excuse me, 629 yards, 63% completion percentage, um, sacked about six times. Um, again, like I said, the numbers aren't showing you what the film shows you. But throughout these games, I think you really see a person who had, well, I'm going to shoot a number out there. I don't know how many drives exactly, but let's say he had like 20 offensive drives in three games. It's a guy who probably had like four or five good drives. That is a, a very low percentage. And for Taylor, we talked about, you know, what type of game does he need to have against Philadelphia to remain the starter uh, on the Wednesday show with a good man, Kyle Smith for GM. Um I think this is a situation where you're being evaluated against one of the best teams in the league. You're being evaluated against, um, you know, yourself, really. Like, how do you bounce back? How do you perform in a situation like a high leverage situation? Right. This is this game is going to be big for Taylor. This game is going to be big for Washington. Um, Now, they're not going to put pressure on Taylor and they shouldn't put pressure on Taylor. The commanders, they shouldn't put pressure on Taylor at the end of the day. They need to see somebody step up at that quarterback position. And this is the opportunity for Taylor. Do you have to win this game? My personal opinion is no. You don't have to win this game. But if your offense puts up somewhere around the average of of, of your season, 17 points or less, where do you go from there? Obviously, and I like the obvious question is, I'm assuming the obvious answer is you stay with Taylor or you go with like it's only three it's only three taylor carson or sam um but for a team who is still in the playoff hunt by default by mathematical uh uh situations i don't even know the right way to say it but from a mathematical standpoint you know a loss does not eliminate you at four and six you are still because the atlanta falcons lost right they lost thursday they are four and six they are right outside of that seven seed with San Fran sitting in the seventh seed at four and four. If you lose at four and six, you're in the same spot as Atlanta and you're one game out 
of that seventh seed. You are still in it. Washington will still compete. So for Taylor, he needs to bounce back. And that means have a competent game. And in order for Washington to win this game, you have to trust this offense. You cannot try to play hero ball. The plays will come. And for Taylor, a person who has who is athletically or physically limited to begin with, you have to trust your playmakers to make plays. Like those shots downfield will come. That touchdown to, to Terry McLaurin on um, Jair Alexander in, in the Packers game, those plays will come. But you have to trust what you're saying. You have to use your running backs more. And you have to use them when it makes sense. Like we talked about a play where Brian Robinson – well, I don't think we talked about it on here, but I broke down the film on Trapper Dive YouTube channel. Um, you all can like check that out as well. Just go to my Twitter Twitter handle, um, and uh, you'll find my YouTube description in there, or you can just go to Trapper Dive on YouTube, um, and you'll see the the recent film session. But it was a play where you know, on a spot concept, you 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 have two receivers. Um, you're you're staring one down in Curtis Samuel, and you have your tight end cross your face wide open. For like two seconds until the until the opportunity closes and he checks it down to B Rob, you lose four yards. Um, in, in a play that could have got picked off because you didn't see the, the the defender crashing down on Brian Robinson. Um, but I say all this to say, use your running backs, but understand when to use them. Like if what you're saying downfield is not working, dump it off. And we explained one example too uh, towards the end of the game. That's the one I talked about with Kyle. You know, where on the last drive of the game, you have an opportunity to dump the ball off uh, well before you throw it out of bounds. Um, and he's staring downfield and, and nobody's open. But you have to understand that your running back is a safety valve for a reason. That is a good option. That is a good check down. That would have been a good check down. So for Taylor, it's all about bouncing back, responding. But from a key standpoint, you have to trust your offense. You have to trust your playmakers. Those shots will come calm down. That's the first thing. My second key for Washington, keep Taylor upright. The offensive line gave up nine sacks or excuse me, Philadelphia accumulated nine sacks against the commanders in week three. Right. And I I had to change my wording because words are important. Carson Wentz was responsible for some of those sacks. Out of those nine, he was responsible for some of them. And that's always the case. It could be a receiver's fault. It can be a quarterback's fault. It can be a tight end's fault. It can be a running back's fault. It could be a coordinator's fault. So many reasons for sacks, right? But um, Philadelphia accumulated nine sacks. And some of those sacks were on the offensive line. Some of those sacks you were getting dominated in one-on-one situations. You have to be able to protect Taylor Heineke. And if you think that because he's mobile, right, he's going to be able to make the offensive line look drastically better every single week. That's not always the case for, for quarterbacks. Like mobile quarterbacks get sacked too. That don't think I mean Taylor is a magician, right? He gets out of some some crazy sack sack situations or crazy pressure situations, and you're like, how the hell did he do it? But you can't do that every week. You want to know 
a situation like one of the biggest things I actually um said this what's today Friday I said, <laughs> recording Friday morning by the way for those who didn't know um but I said this maybe Wednesday think about the games last year against Philadelphia and Dallas you played them in a four week span you played both those teams twice at the end of the season. And, and, and truth be told, this is I, I would agree that this is a that was a top 10 offensive line unit. Ron Rivera told us, you know, in March that this was a top five unit when he made his pitch to his quarterbacks, to those free agent quarterbacks. Y'all need to come here. We have a top five offensive line. Right. But think about that four week span where you played Dallas and you played uh, Philadelphia. You averaged three sacks a game. Three sacks allowed per game. And the reason why this is important to bring it up, that was the time where the offensive line was in flux. That was the moment in which uh, this offensive line for Washington didn't have all of his key players, didn't have all of his starters, right? It's the same situation this year, like all year long this time. And you're going up against who? The Philadelphia Eagles again. And who was the quarterback in those four weeks? Minus one where he missed because of COVID against the Philadelphia Eagles on the road. It's Taylor Heineke. He was getting hit. He was getting uh, beaten. You cannot escape every single situation where you're getting pressured all the time. And this offensive line has to find a way to win. Like, and, 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 and what does that mean, really? You got to find some way to establish a ground game, right? That's the first thing that's going to help Carson Wentz. I mean, excuse me, I said Carson Wentz. That's going to be the first thing that helps Taylor Heineke out. And that's going to help that offensive line out. Establish that ground game. This is all within the, the key of, of offensive line. Stay with me. <laughs> but um, that's the first thing. Um, and then in, in situations where you're going to be like Corlinius Lucas, he's having hard times against uh, – very good pass rushers. Um, that's going to be the same thing that you get this week with Robert Quinn around, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham. You may mess around and see Hassan Riddick on your side. And then the same thing's going to happen on the other side and the interior. Javon Hargrave, six sacks this season. Don't under, don't underestimate Fletcher Cox. And I only say that because statistically you'll, you'll look at him and you'll say, uh, he ain't doing much this year, but guess what? Fletcher Cox is just as effective as Javon Hargrave and how he's able and how they're able to create pressure and interior pressure. So you have to find a way to establish a ground game. First and foremost, you have to find a way to win your one-on-ones or give help to these guys, right? I like what Washington did in some situations where Charles Leno wasn't, you know, having a good day. They left Armani Rogers in before he went out on in a flat route or before ever he took his route, wherever it was going. He, he made, um, he made who was that 98 or Daniil Hunter run the arc, which allowed time for Cornelius Lucas and Charles Leno specifically. It gave them time to you know take on that that rush move. Like it buys them time by staying in the block. And and or if if you're take if you're facing a wide nine technique, which is outside the tackle and, and far outside the tight end it makes their path a little bit more difficult to get to the quarterback and adds a second or two to their rush path. 
So give these guys some help. Um, you're definitely going to need much block, much better blocking from your running backs, right? That's going to be important. So I think there's there's some ways that you can help Taylor Heineke. You can help this offensive line, and and, and even still, like from a bystander, like how does this offensive line get help? From my first key, <laughs> Taylor has to trust himself and trust his offense. Get the ball out of your hands when it makes sense. Get the ball out of your hands when you see something like when you read the concept and understand the concept or dump it off to your running back. Like your quarterback can help this offensive line out too. Third key, we know who, you know, Jalen Hurts is, or we should know at this point this season, we know we should know who Jalen Hurts is. We know who AJ Brown is, right? We know that 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 offensive line is solid. And I think that this, it's going to be a huge test for this defense. Like I've always said for the past few weeks, and if you heard me, like I said that we were going to, you know, have a good chance to beat the Packers. I said that, you know, they were going to have a good chance to beat the Colts. Um, and then I also said that they'll have an opportunity to hang in there with the Vikings. Um, and, and like the real test, and I have said this in the past, the real test comes against the Philadelphia Eagles. How do you match up against these guys? And I say all that to say my third key revolves around the tight end, Dallas Goddard, and the receiver, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. Well, actually, let's start with Dallas Goddard, man. Dallas Goddard is a tight end who is slowly coming within his own right or developing his own right as a, a very effective tight end, 27 years old, but has... Uh, you know, 500 yards on the season, 40 catches, averaging over uh, 12 yards a reception, specifically 13. I don't know why I didn't just say 13. But Dallas Goddard is also an individual who is second on the team in reception yards, receiving yards, right? I think for Washington, the same way TJ Hawkinson was effective against them, it's going to be the same way that Philadelphia implements their usage of tight ends, right? RPO game is very important and very uh, fluent in the Eagles offense, but Dallas Goddard plays a role in that. You have to understand what those matchups look like, right? And what those matchups are going to be is Cam Curl or Jamin Davis or Dallas Goddard. I think those are really the, the main two that's going to have those matchup opportunities against him. And you may see a little bit of either Danny Johnson or uh, Wild Goose, depending on who's playing now. I don't know if they permanently benched Wild Goose, right? But you'll see those matchups against him. But it really needs to be a situation where you give help to whoever is checking Dallas Goddard. And then as we transition to Devontae Smith, who has slight opportunities in the slot, right? So far, 18% of his uh, alignments where 19% of his alignments have been inside, whether it's tight or in the slot throughout this season. Danny Johnson or Bobby McCain will have some matchups on him. I think Benjamin St. Juice is going to be primarily lined up on A.J. Brown, right? I do think most of his opportunities uh, is going to be A.J., but he'll have some some instances where he's matched up on Devontae Smith. It's not going to be exclusively A.J. Brown. It's not going to be exclusively Devontae Smith. But I just think that uh, the biggest 
important matchup is Devontae Smith, but then also those opportunities where he is in the slot. Because I think slot right now is probably the weakness for Washington. And whoever's able to get in that, if you can have like maybe even if they went empty, right? Or maybe if they went four wide, 11 personnel with with everybody out wide, right? And you have two slot guys. That can be AJ and Devontae. And you can have Goddard uh, isolated, right? So like it all depends on how you match these things up. Does Kendall Fuller move inside? along with Danny Johnson or Wild Goose or Bobby McCain, however they want to play it. And that's where my whole uh, key comes in, right? It's, it's all about how they line up with Devontae Smith, a person who could take the top off the defense, a person who could dictate his routes and dictate his tempo that creates some mismatches because you don't know if he's doing a, a short level, intermediate level, or deep level route um, based on how he tempos his routes. All of those things are important. So that's why Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith gets my attention. A.J. Brown, dog receiver, very good receiver, can't discredit him. And he he's like you can only do but so much when you talk about three keys, right? But Devontae and Dallas Goddard is it. My score prediction as we move forward, obviously, um, it's not going to be pretty, man. Uh, it's not going to be favorable for Washington. Uh, I think for a team who is struggling to get over that 20-point hump, if you follow the trend, this is a team who's averaging 14 points per game since week three. So how do you sit here and say that they can score 20 plus against the Philadelphia Eagles from a prediction standpoint? I follow the trend. I understand the trend. Um, it really comes down to how much uh, can the defense shoulder and how much can the defense bear for Washington uh, to, to win this game. And for me, I would probably say that Washington uh, loses 20 to 14 maybe 21 to 14, something like that, something around that, that number. Um, so I guess Washington covers, right? <laughs> Washington ends up covering um, in that manner. So that's going to wrap it up for me. Up next is the good man, Chris Franklin. Um, schedule next week to be determined, given there is a Monday night game. Uh, we'll figure that out as we get when we get there. Um but yeah, stay safe. Enjoy y'all weekend. Enjoy them Sunday games. All that good stuff. Peace. Let's get the good man Chris in here right now. Uh, and like I said, Chris uh, is a beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles um, by way of NewJersey.com. Uh, welcome to the Trapper Dive Podcast, boss man. How you feeling like? Muted, 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 muted. <laughs> <laughs> You know, every time I see somebody on a thing, I'm like, oh, why did I mute it? And I just became that guy. Dang it. Yeah, <laughs> so close. It's so close. Dang, oh, I'm doing it. Sorry, Chris, put you in the lab. I see you. You look like you working, man. You you in the yeah. office. Yeah, man. We're sitting there uh, getting a couple stories ready to go. And uh, I'm mixing a little sentence here and there. And uh, I'll be getting a couple stories right now, man. Yeah, but thank you guys seriously for having me on. appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, everybody in the chat, if y'all got some questions on the Philly side of things, man, let us know. We're going to get you involved. Make sure Chris answers your questions and things like that. But let's start off on uh, matter of fact, let's start off this way. Chris, how how is the perception of Washington this week? Uh, Obviously, like earlier week three, you, you didn't really know any team yet. Um, I don't think anybody knew on Philly side that they were going to be eight. No heading into this matchup. Um, and you all dominated Washington in that week three matchup uh, earlier this year. What is the the sentiments understanding 
I guess where this where both teams are now. Um, what do you understand of of, of this matchup and, and how people are are feeling about the Washington Commanders? You know, it's kind of crazy because when you think he had when you had Carson Wentz in there, you kind of felt like, wow, this team could still be really good, and 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 it, it, but somehow it kind of elevated just a little bit because I think I think this the Eagles as a whole, I think they're a little more worried about Taylor Heineke and his ability to escape the pocket and, and to create off schedule plays. And I look about I look at that with especially with those receivers they had in there. Where you look at McLaurin, Samuel, Dotson, you see guys like that and the way they're able to freelance and, and throw down and go down the field with that speed. I think defensively you, you gotta worry about that. Then the looming question of is Chase Young going to back? That's a lot of the questions that are being asked up here. Is like is Chase Young's going to back? Especially with the way Jordan Mailata, even though Nick Sirianni took uh, took the responsibility for Jordan Mailata having those back to back sacks. I guess the Texans and looked a little off. Yeah, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and Jonathan Allen. Anything else is still a little, 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 little area concern. But overall, I think uh, they're not looking. They're definitely not looking past the Commanders, especially this division game. And who knows? Maybe the Commanders sneaking into that seven spot. So they definitely they're, they're taking uh, they're, t- they're taking notice. What's kind of the you know what I'm really impressed with, Chris? Is it, it's, it's just how Jalen Hurts has developed this year. Um, like if you look at the statistical numbers from a from a passing standpoint, you don't see that many touchdowns thrown, but that's only looking at his stats. Like obviously, if you look at his game and you look at the Philadelphia Eagles game, you understand how much more effective he is for this offense from a run and pass standpoint. Like he he's still completing, I think, over sixty six percent of his passes, which is very good eight weeks into a season. Um, and then you have uh, the Russian side of things where he's just as effective with his legs. Uh, in your opinion. A two-year or, or or second year as a, as a full-time starter for Philadelphia, eight weeks into the into the season where he's undefeated in his second season as a starter. Speak to his development and just understand where he is as a quarterback this year. I, he's winning that bet. Like they were they were giving him this year to to really to see what he can do in this offense for Sirianni. He's winning the bet right now. And they almost didn't give him that chance, right? <laughs> yeah. They, they, they kept, they, the best thing that ever happened to them was that Deshaun Watson is saying, no, I don't want to I don't want to go to Philadelphia. Yeah. I don't want to stop. That was the best thing to do because if you had Deshaun Watson here, knowing everything that's going on with that, you probably would have had to throw in Hurt. I think personally, Hurts probably would have been going to Houston anyway. Now you look at the Texans like, well, maybe the Texans are the ones that help his uh, development that way. But I think overall, I like what the Eagles did in terms of not only – well, first of all, I'll give it from an Eagles perspective as a team, Sirianni and Shane Steichen fit that offense around what his strengths were. Because there's so many times you see head coaches going, well, like look look at the allegations and everybody else. Well, well, I have this system. It worked here. So you're my quarterback. You're going to have to fit into this way. And then you see the offense stagnant in that. I like what Sirianni and Steichen did in using his strength. Let him use his legs to roll out. Let him use the RPOs and, and then running if the plays aren't there downfield. So that helps him out. When you look at Jalen Hurts – as the player, you can see that work he did in South and South Southern California. He went out to see Tom House. You see the footwork that he's improved with. You see the touch on the ball. You see his mechanics. He's getting the ball out quicker because we all know that the way that these defensive linemen are coming after people nowadays, you need to get it one, two, three, it out as quickly. You see him looking fluid. And then the other thing that I see that people always went at it for him about was, oh, he doesn't have a strong arm slant. For me, especially when you look at it, it's not all about the straight up arm itself. It's just your core, your footwork, and getting the ball downfield. And you see all that improve. So you're seeing those when you played the Steelers, those three long touchdown passes he had to AJ Brown, which 
also doesn't help that you have him too. That helps you be a better quarterback too. But you see the way yeah. he arced that ball and dropped it in there. You see all these developments, he, stuff he's worked on all this whole offseason. You suddenly come to fruition, and now you look at his team and you're like, well, okay, yeah, he just made himself a lot of money this upcoming offseason too, and the Eagles try to save as much as they can to make sure they pay him. Yeah, I just want to jump in real quick, kind of keep it on the offensive side of the ball, Chris. Um, you know, we're talking about Jalen Hurst development. There's another guy on the Eagles uh, team and on that offensive side of the football who has always intrigued me, you know, as a wide receiver. You know, you got A.J. Brown, that guy, he's a stud. But Devontae Smith, talk about his development. Like, well, how do you feel about him right now as an Eagles receiver? I like what they have. I wish they get the ball more toward him as well, too. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's tough, especially when you got to get the ball to Brown, to Dallas Goddard, and all these other, other guys around here as well, too. And somebody wants to do it drag strip race down here but when you look at this right here when you look at the way he does i always liked his route running because i always thought even if you're not like a tyreek hill speed type guy you can make yourself that much open if you're fluid in your routes and the way you're sinking into it he's just gotten that much better as well too you see some of those in cuts where or the china routes where he goes where he starts to fake inside there's scroll back outside when you look at the slants He's winning those matchups one-on-one. He's been open. There's been a couple times he's been open and just Hurts hasn't gone his way because he's looking around he's being chased. So I look at the way he's doing. I like his mindset. Well, he knows basically everybody's going to get a turn in this offense. So he's not going after going, why am I not getting the ball? Why am I complaining? You see him being playing within that though, and you see the way he's playing. And I think we haven't even seen the best form. I know everybody's dragging balls. You haven't seen his final form. Well, you haven't seen the final form of Devonta Smith and his when he finally gets there, I think you could have one of the best one-two wide receiver combos in, in the league. Man, um, you know what's crazy, Dre? I, like, I admire good football, right? So it's it's hard for me to really dislike anything that the Eagles got going on right now. Like, I, I don't I don't have like the the hater or or like the the automatic even this anybody in the division, man. Good football is good football, and, and I appreciate that about myself that I'm not going to sit here and hate on anybody that has good football. And what I mean by that and why I'm bringing this up, how at this point at eight, no, you're talking about trying to make the Super Bowl for Philadelphia. Like that, that is, that is the only thing that should be a discussion. I will bet in the area, like you're talking about Super Bowl at this point. Um, You're one of the, I mean, clearly you're the only undefeated team left, but um, in the NFC, you don't have that many threat factors uh, on this side, like what you got the the 49ers is a team that pops up in my head. Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys. Vikings. Um, the Vi- uh, you, you, what you think? What you think, Drake? You think the Vikings I mean, Eagles already crushed them? <laughs> like it's hard to be the team twice. We'll say that much. Like hard to be the team twice. So like all these factors coming in, and, and we're talking about in my head. I'm like, this is a team that it's either them, it's either Dallas, um or maybe the Niners again, who has a good shot of going to the Super Bowl. Chris, uh, what is the sentiment over there in Philadelphia uh, world? <laughs> what is what is what is this thing in terms of like how far this team can go? Obviously, again, like I said, it's kind of an obvious question and an obvious answer, but, um, you know, nothing's guaranteed in the NFL, but this is a very strong team right now, and I, I don't think that there's many, many teams in their way that can say, Y'all ain't y'all ain't y'all ain't making it out of NFC. If you ask Eagles fans, they want them to get the loss out the way so badly because they're afraid that if they go undefeated that much, it's it being in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, if it, it, it's being Philadelphia in their sports history and looking at this past week with the Phillies and everybody else, everybody's worried about okay, you know what, something's going to slip up around this way, so wait for this. When you talk about this team, they're only concerned about the, the, each individual game in front of them, which 
I don't for the life of me, I don't know how you do that when you start to see that you have the zero next to you in your log column. But overall, when I look at this team and I look at the matchups and everything else, I'm actually there's one team you didn't mention that I'm still a little kind of worry about the team that I think that could give them their first loss, the Giants. The Giants don't have the strongest roster at all. But yeah. there's something about a team that when you have you're able to stay close in these games. Maybe the fact they've been able to stay close in a lot of these games, they have a decent coach. And I just look at them as and the one thing the Eagles have trouble with is with tackling. You got this guy like Saquon Barkley, who's able to who still carry that. It's almost you hate to say it, it's like I'm still waiting for all right, when is he going to miss a, di- a game or two? But he's not. He looks healthy. But when you see him starting to run the way he's running, you see Daniel Jones making enough plays to do that. And their defense, Wink Martindale, the way he likes to blitz, something that the Eagles did have a little issue, but they've gotten better over time. But you put that together, you're like, okay. this And their division team, and they've seen you a lot. I start to look at that. But I also look at the Cowboys. Depends if they get uh, Odell Beckham Jr. If they get him, then I start to worry about that a little bit. The Vikings – as much I mean, I know they beat them a lot. I, I got to give them respect. I ain't gonna lie to you because I, I I I scoffed at it when Dre mentioned it. Chris. I I got it, and Dre. I got to get. I got to give him a little bit of respect. The the more I think about it, like the the amount of times that you have won close games this year, that you gotta you gotta understand. And they 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 haven't been winning in every single game. They've come back too. So like I, I, I gotta give them their respect a little bit, Dre. Uh, I, I thought about it after after I said it. Maybe the Vikings can you know have a, a another turn and, and maybe maybe get the dub against Philly if it if it matters. I hate to say this, but when it comes to the the times that they it comes to the NFC Championship games, it's pretty much you're going to have to see are they going to be the three o'clock window or a six o'clock window because we all know prime time Kirk Cousins. Yes. So yeah. if it's three o'clock, we're like oh we got a shot. Yes. All right, cool. If it's six yes. o'clock. It's gonna be ugly, man. Um, okay, so we got a we got a couple questions from the chat. You talked about the defense, uh, their ability to tackle. Uh Hawk actually brought up just a, a recent addition in you all for you all. Chris, how do you feel about the Robert Quinn addition? Um, did he play against Houston first and foremost, but secondly, uh, how do you think that kind of bolster like what was the, the process behind it? Because you all are Look, like I said, week three, y'all dominated us. So, like, that's our firsthand experience of understanding how good and how – like, I love Javon Hargrave. Like, he was the guy who was dominating uh, even before and after the Washington game. Uh, but but what do you think about Robert Quinn and understanding, you know, the addition that he makes for this defensive line? I think the first like, – he – and one thing, I, I wonder if they limit him a little bit because he's one – He's he is the great honor of, of being one of the lone guys in the league this year that won't have a bye week at all. Because when he got traded, they didn't have it, so he has to play straight. So I wonder. He only I think he only played like 19 snaps against the Texans, and they didn't use him that much. But I wonder if this extended time they're starting to acclimate him more into the package, so you start seeing that they needed somebody on that second defensive line unit to rush. Because once Derek Barnett does, not I know everybody thinks Derek Barnett, oh, first round bust, yeah, but well, he can't even excuse that. But when you look at the <laughs> pass rush that he had. He did bring pressure. He did bring that unknowingness of, well, is he going to take a 15-yard penalty here, knocking somebody down? It, it, that gets in the quarterback's head. Well, when he tore his ACL, they tried Teron Jackson, and unfortunately didn't work out. They tried some other options, didn't work. So now you get a veteran guy who's still quick off the edge, and he's still able to get to the quarterback. And the funny the thing that made me laugh a little bit was when he played against the Steelers, and he's probably thinking, like, you know what? With Brandon Graham on the other side, I'm probably going to get some one-on-one, one-on-ones on the edge. No, Steelers decided to double team him too. So he's looking like, oh, great, we're here by second. Okay, down. But it opened up things for Brandon Graham, Hargrave, 
Cox and all those guys. And I'm looking at him. I think it was a good addition. The fact that they were able to work the deal out and only give him the pick they did and also come to an agreement saying, hey, listen, Robert, we'll waive the rest of your contract. And then if you want to sign here, you can. If not, you want to look elsewhere, you can do that as well, too. And there was some money in that contract where he's older, he's getting older. And some other things in the details in that contract, as far as all that other stuff, they, they, they weren't going to keep around that way. So the fact they were able to agree and say, hey, you know what? It's here. Play, play butt off, and then just go from there. I think he's going to be, he's going to be key. I think, and he's going to help out that second line and and get this senior because this team loves to use two lines, and that's what's just successful for them in the seventeen Super Bowl year. So if they get two lines going again, I think it'll bode well for them. And I'm just going to ask real quick, Chris: Is there any part of that Eagles defense right now that maybe gives you a little bit of concern or a little bit of pause right now that maybe you could say the Commanders can attack this that may give them a little bit of a worry? And I know it sounds like it's really, really obscure or anything like that for it, but I think when the Eagles go into their big nickel and they bring Kayvon Wallace in to on, on the field at third safety, the Eagles, when you look at the Eagles, especially in the secondary, especially at safety, there's not a lot of depth there at all. You you go like Marcus Sepps and CJ Gardner Johnson, all right, great. Behind them, you have an undrafted rookie in Reed Blankenship, who basically has been a- inactive for most of the season. And you got Kayvon Wallace, who the general manager basically called him out on the first day of the training camp saying, hey, we need you to play a lot better. And we saw he got beat on that against the Texans. He, he got beaten coverage as well, too. That's his liability. I mean, when you look at him coming from Al Clemson, he was a box safety. He never – he hasn't improved a lot in the coverage area. So if the, the commanders are able to go ahead and get him out into a big nickel set and they can get a tight end lined up against him, I'd be attacking that left – I'd be attacking him all day and all night because I think that's where you can really move the ball down that field. But – other than that, if they if they can get some good running, if you get some running, if Gibson can find a way to run up the middle and attack it without Jordan Davis being there in the middle of the line and start wearing them down and establishing the run, I think that's another way place where you can get that defense on the field, wear them down, and then you start you, then you open up so much stuff to play action passes, the boot game, and everything else. So that's the other area I probably think they can get the Eagles at. Um, just to expound on matter of fact, uh, one more question from Artie. My bad. Um, I know we we talked about the defensive line and Robert Kern specifically, but just uh, how healthy is he? I, I don't know. Like I said, he, he asked how healthy is he. I don't know if there's anybody like it's particularly banged up. I know you mentioned Jordan Davis is actually out. Um, I knew he was out last week, but I didn't know he was out for an extended period. So like, how is this a a, a healthy defensive line right now? Yeah, he's on IR right now. This is going into it. I believe it's third week going in there. We got to see him in the locker room, which is a good sign because normally when we don't see anybody in there, it's like that. There is one that I just remembered as well, too. There is an injury that kind of has me concerned now with uh, Vontae Maddox, the, cor- the nickel corner, and he was out because he had a hamstring. He injured it in the Texans game. And he didn't practice today. So one thing that Gannon has said in the past, and one thing you notice with this is the nickel corner is one of the most important parts of this defense because if not, he has to use the linebacker, start adjusting stuff and that and they had Josiah Scott, who's coming off an injury of his own. He practiced today, but he's coming off an injury of his own before it's a uh, mini buy. So that's a lot of concern. And I think when you have that trio going, that's been the best trio of cornerbacks the Eagles have had since probably Bobby Taylor, Troy Vincent, and, and Al Harris. And that's they, a they, I mean, the trio. Yeah. And they, when you look at the way they're able to be physical, the way they play smart football and, and bait quarterbacks and throwing the ball, those three do a very good job in that. And when you don't have Avante Maddox long term, that scares me a little bit. Scott came in and, and played okay those two games where when Maddox missed two games earlier in the season with his ankle sprain. But if he's not available against the commanders now, that's another area of, 
you know what? Forget Caden Wallace now. That if, <laughs> if if Scott and I'm more and more thinking, I'm like, you know, maybe they should attack that middle of the field a little bit. Curtis, if they can get Curtis Samuel matched up against Josiah Scott, I think that can be a, a decent matchup for the Commanders too. All right, um, Chris, let's cut to it, man. What's the percent chances you got of, of Commanders uh, beating and upsetting Philadelphia on Monday night at the link? What's the percent chance you got? Um, and, 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 and let's go from there. I'd probably give it 30. And if they show that's actually seems high, 30. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's something about, it's something about that defensive line. It's just getting me. I, I, Kelsey, Jason Kelsey is a really, really, really good center. And he's really smart. It's just, and it's not about that. I think it's when it comes to physical, when you got Jonathan Allen in there against him, when he goes against like guys like Vita Vea, when he goes against, for some reason, Aaron Donald, this team, Finds a way to solve every Donald, but have trouble with Vita Vea. That's a whole other story. But when you go against when he goes against him, it seems like they there's always one or two times where you ourselves see like a jailbreak in the middle of the line, and they say you know Hurts is scrambling for his life and, and throw down that way. So that's one thing. That's why I say thirty because if if that line, especially if Chase Young comes back and that line really gets humming, then I'm like, okay, it won't be an eleven point win. It'll be more like an eight seven and all that stuff. But overall. This, this, I just look at the Eagles and just there's a, and also I like Heine, I like Heineke more now, like Wentz too with with that off the way that offense runs too. So uh, if Wentz was playing, it'd probably be about 15 because then it's just oh, like, because of vitriol that half this fan base still have for him it, is is still real. And I really am really curious to see if they play a video thanking him during the game because I you know I. It's sissy. The link seeks 67,000. I wouldn't be surprised if like 35, 40,000 start booing him. Is, is that still much? There's still that big for him asking out and want to be traded. It's crazy. Wow. Well, look, you see you <laughs> see somebody in our fan base, Trace, you, you got it. Artie, Artie says if Wentz was playing, he said he gave it a 5% chance. So there ain't, <laughs> ain't that many people out here who, who, who really got that much faith in Carson Wentz. Trey, what you I, about to go? I, I was just going to tell Chris, man, he's a really nice guy. I don't know if he's being nice because he's yes. on his podcast. Says Maybe if thing. he's doing his Eagle stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to blow him out by 30. <laughs> Agents are listening. Agents are listening. I got to be good. No, I'm kidding. I'm looking and see, like, because it's if it was a if it was like a, a inner conference game, like an AFC game or something like that, or with the same roster and they know each other, then it definitely would be like like 10, 20. But the fact is, a division game is I think, I think that helps know. them out a little bit, but it's exactly. still and who knows, maybe with Ron Rivera going with everything he's going through right now, with, with losing, maybe that's an opportunity for them to rally around him and, and they use that to play a little bit more inspired. But maybe they maybe play the, Ryan they, Robinson, you know. <laughs> when they're not invoking his name into statements, hey, that's a whole other story. A mess. <laughs> Thirty minutes. I didn't even think we was gonna talk about it that much. I thought we were gonna get like fifteen minutes. I, I found myself. We talked about it till ten, like seven twenty-six. <laughs> let's let's be honest, is, though. That's the biggest topic in Washington right now. Yeah. Like the game is actually a sec, an afterthought. Like I mean, I'm sure really it's much is. bigger in Philadelphia. I mean, you guys are undefeated. You guys don't have the shit show that we have right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Like, y'all remember, remember that movie Major League where you had the everybody hated the owner and they had that picture of other thing they take it off. I had this feeling like like Ron Rivera and everything else, we gotta win the division or get a playoff spot despite him. And every game I don't want to see the image of that, but they find something about him like losing money or something like that. They start ripping off this to spite him in order to way to beat him. Because this well, oh, if, if, oh. if Snyder ever gets a movie made about a McLovin will be the actor. I mean it has to be a, part of it. It be a serious movie. <laughs> 
it's gonna be done the office right. style. Like it's gonna be like, <laughs> no, I can't look at my <laughs> This man said the eleven where oh my goodness. Actor. You can't get no one serious to play the role. <laughs> hey, no. uh, hey, they do gotta make a comedy out of it though. Hey, nah, yeah. oh, for real though. The 30 for 30. I, matter of fact, Drake, we talked about that, right? The 30 for 30. They need like six episodes for that. Like, go ahead and, and, the last and let dance. everybody know how much of an asshole he was, bro. So we can so the, so what the world can see you. what we've been going through. It's what if crazy. I told you there's an owner that was so bad that hid money from other owners that they were like they were willing to overlook other things like allegations, but you mess with their money, they were finally getting enough votes to get rid of them. The Chronicles of Dan Snyder. <laughs> PM Eastern, ESPN two. <laughs> All right, all right, hey, hey, Chris, let's go ahead and get into your, your prediction. Um, obviously, like you said, you gave it 30% chance, but let's go ahead and get into your prediction, your personal opinion on what happens Monday night, man. Again, I appreciate you joining me. I want to make sure that you get the floor as well, just to plug anything and everything that you got going on on your side. Uh, but yes, yeah, let's go ahead and start with that prediction. Thank you very much. I can't stop laughing I'm thinking of 30 for 30 stuff, but, but <laughs> I think it's going to be, I, I got 31 to 17 uh, and maybe 31 to 20. I, I keep, Going back and forth, do, do they get 20, they put up 20 or not? I think it's going to be 31-17. And I think it's going to be – it could be one of those things where it starts out kind of slow. Then all of a sudden, the Eagles have their second quarter explosion. Halftime comes in to take the foot – it'll be the same thing we've seen for the first eight weeks. And they'll take the foot off, and it's like, what's going on here? And then commanders start down a little bit. Comes like, and then they get a late drive, and they really salt it away there. But, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those games where – if you're for if you're an e- a Commanders fan, you can get a good bedtime. By the time it's like the fourth quarter, you can get better if you want to. And that was if you're an Eagles fan, if you're an Eagles fan, you probably get to bed enough order because this this city's taking a lot within the last couple of weeks sports wise. So they're still on need time to rest. But yeah, uh, and I appreciate you guys seriously for having me on. I, it was a lot of fun. And now Absolutely. I can't stop laughing about that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you go to uh, uh, find the work at nj.com/eagles. Find me on Twitter at C Franklin News, same with Instagram. And uh yeah, thank you guys very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. No, you good, you good, man. Hey, I definitely, I definitely appreciate you coming through. Um, look, you ain't gotta look, don't laugh at our team too much, man, because that owner gonna be gone soon. Joke, we joke comedy joke, jam right now. We jokes be gonna be over. over. And, and when the joke's over, we ain't laughing no more, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry you guys are going through all this pain, but it's part of me kind of wants them because because it's almost like a it, for there's certain seasons where it's almost feel like it's a buy because he's so inept that it hurts the football operations. We're going down that is that now if you guys actually get a competent owner and then set up like wait the, what what happened to our bye week? Oh man! Oh, but I will say this: a power a strong NFC East is good for the whole entire league. Yeah. And just imagine if somehow. You guys get the seventh seat. Imagine that all the teams in the division playing the playoffs, and if That's somehow right. the, the, the NFC East teams win it, that divisional round is nothing but the NFC East. Basically, it's the NFC East tournament from there on out. If that happens. That's gonna be that's just like the that's NFC so much fun to watch. East that. Is the backbone of the NFL. Let's be honest. The eighties and the nineties, we were damn near carrying the damn NFL. So I mean, it's, it hurts me to see the NFL lease, and it hurts me to see we playing our part well to be called the NFC NFC lease for the longest time. You know, so we want to be in twenty twenty. Everybody was making fun of the the, the East, and now look at us. Now you got the the great Tom Brady and everything else in the four and five. Well, you might have a sub five hundred team in the NFC South. Yeah. 
Justice is balanced, like I said. Exactly. It happens. We're going to be sitting at the grown-up table soon, Chris. Hey, give us some time, man. We're going to be there with you, bro. Hey, Chris, man, enjoy your evening. I appreciate you coming through again, man. You take care, stay safe, and enjoy your weekend as well. Likewise, man. Y'all have a good one. Enjoy the game on Monday night. Yeah, we're going to try to. All right, boss, man. All right, see you guys. See you.